Welcome to Off the Beaten Path, but not lost. With Tony, Kristen, Kylie, and Lexi. Join us on this RV full-time living journey. Across the beautiful United States. Where the fellas. Hello and welcome to episode 55. Check us out at Facebook and Instagram at The Fayolas. And if you need the show notes of this episode, you can find them at thefayolas.com slash 55. This week we're going to be talking about boondocking, what it is, some tips on being effective at boondocking. And enjoying it. Yeah, and enjoying it. (laughs) It can be stressful. Like it can, you know. It's not there's, stressful for me. It's sometimes stressful for you. Sometimes there's maybe anxiety, around, you know, associated with it and stuff. But So what is it? It is dry camping. No water, no electricity, no hookups. Yep. No sewer. Yep. It's mostly free. I mean, sometimes you have a permit or something. We'll there's, talk about that yeah, later. Yeah, definitely some variations that we'll go over and things that we've experienced. But it's, it's mostly dispersed camping on public land. Mm-hmm. Or designated dispersed camping on public land. And we'll get into more details later, but there's kind of a, um, like a gray area where, you know, some people consider it boondocking, some people don't. Um, but this is the general idea of what it is. It's yeah. mostly public land, dispersed camping, free, no hookups. And if and normally you're just paying for a permit or something. Yeah. yeah. And the difference between dispersed camping on public land and designated camping, dispersed camping, is with dispersed camping. It's kind of like a free-for-all. Yeah, you just find a spot that fits you. Yeah. Sometimes you get in there, like, if you go to a dispersed camping area on a weekend or something in the in prime time, like summer, we'll say, you get to a spot and there'll just be, like, RVs and tents and vans just everywhere. Mm-hmm. And There's our- really no order to it. And in another podcast that we talked about, we'll talk about it a little bit later today as well. We recommend when you do that, we at least try to find one that has like a fire pit or something. If Mm -hmm. you plan on having a fire pit, if you don't plan on having a fire pit, then it doesn't really matter. Um, But if you plan on having a fire, try not to make a new one if there is one. You know, we've been to a couple of dispersed um, spots that literally had like three fire pits made. Yeah, all in the same area. Like (laughs) 10 feet. Yeah, just use the same one. So that's dispersed camping on public land, and then there's also designated dispersed camping. This is also dry, this is also considered boondocking. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's still dry camping. There's no electricity, no nothing, um, but it's an area that has designated camping spots. Yeah, um, like th- we've been to several that had actual like landscaping ties bordering your site. So yeah. you really you you have your specific place where you park your RV. And then park your vehicle. Sometimes they have a fire ring. Sometimes they don't. You Your stuff doesn't go beyond that where they have it. Yeah, and they'll have, like, site numbers sometimes. Yeah. Um, sometimes they'll have a fire pit or a picnic table. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen bear boxes. So a lot of times these are a little bit more kept. Normally they have a uh, host. Sometimes, yeah. You know, that takes care of the area. We'll talk about some of these later in the podcast. Especially when they have, a like, a restricted stay. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that we saw. But this is mostly because of demand in that area. 
uh, littering, you know, like just people abusing the the area. So they've had to kind of control it a little bit more. Um, And I should point out as well that the next step after this would be telling us we can't go there at all. So (laughs) um, normally. Which uh, is happening. Yeah. It's, It's becoming more frequent. So I would definitely um, stick to the rules. So let's talk about some of the cool places that we've stopped over the last three years. We've stayed in three different categories of boondocking areas, I guess Mm -hmm. you'd say. (laughs) Um, We've stayed in the National Forest Service. We've stayed in BLM land and also state land that's been free and boondocking, considered boondocking. Yep. Uh, The National Forest Service, we've stayed in quite a few really cool spots. Yeah, Coconino National Forest, that was in the Flagstaff area. We actually stayed there two different times. Is that, That's at the top of the mountain, right? Yeah. That yep. we drove up. Yep. Yeah, it's like just north of Flagstaff. Bryce Canyon area, we had a really cool spot there. Yep, that's Dixie National Forest. That was a really cool spot. I, I'd say that's could be like in my top three, possibly. Because mm. there was a really cool Jeep trail outside of that area, too. Mm-hmm. Is that the one where the fort... The kids had the yeah, fort. Yeah. yeah, they found a fort in there, a little spot. It was very dusty. Other than dusty. It was a very <laughs> dusty <my> spot. <laughs> yes, and Grand Canyon area was yep. also National Forest. We I stayed yep. right outside the park. That's the other thing. Normally the locations, I think, are really good yeah. with BLM. So. Yeah. yeah, or you mean National Forest? Or I'm sorry, with boondocking is what yeah, I meant. Yeah, boondocking, yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, the Teton area, you know, you can go back and listen to our podcast there. We've stayed at multiple spots yep. um, around the Teton National Mountains. National Park. <laughs> yeah, I, I well, wanted to say the Teton Mountains, but... Pretty much the three spots that we've stayed um, right outside Grand Teton, it's like the National Forest spots border the National Park. Yeah, and they're good spots. Those yeah. were all really good spots, too. Yeah, they all have an excellent view. And then we stayed in uh, National Forest Service and Glacier. Yep. That's a good spot. We've talked about that now twice. We've stayed in the exact same Super spot. Super close to Glacier and really close to all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, some of the yellow... So if you go back and listen to our Yellowstone podcast, we stayed at every entrance to go into Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. And are any of those National Forest? Yeah. Um, the east, or sorry, not the east, the west. That in, one was? In Idaho, yep. It's right outside of West Yellowstone. We stayed in a couple different spots there. Yeah, that's a good spot right outside of West Yellowstone. We saw moose there. Yep. It was really cool. Uh, any of the other spots? Or were those BLM? Like, what about outside Cody? Uh, I believe that was BLM. Okay. Or state land. I don't think it's national forest. Okay. Some BLM areas that we've stayed at. One of my favorites here is the Valley of Gods. And we were not able to stay there very long because we didn't have Starlink at the time. We're going back there. Oh, yeah. Um, that place, we stayed there for one night, and it was amazing. Yep. So we definitely have to go back to that one. White Mountain is another favorite. This was where we got to see the wild horses. Yeah, that was in Wyoming. In Wyoming, yeah, southwest mm-hmm. Wyoming. Was so super windy. windy. We actually... <laughs> It ripped a slide cover right off of our RV. Yeah, but it was so cool. I mean, I was working, and a wild horse walked right past our RV. Yeah. It was the coolest thing ever. I was like, wow. Yeah, we saw wild horses there. We went out several times looking for them and saw them every time. Mm-hmm. Zion area. 
That was a really cool one, too. There was, like, a canyon in our backyard. Yeah. <laughs> That's, like, one of my favorite drone pictures that we put up. Mm-hmm. It's, like, the drone. And there was good Jeep trails there. And, of course, you know, Zion was amazing. Salt Lake area. Yep. So, that one we stayed. It's west of Salt Lake City. Um, in between Salt Lake City and the Bonneville Salt Flats. Oh, yeah. Is this the one we went to see the Bonneville Salt yep. Flats? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. we stayed there and drove, I think it was about a half hour or so, to the Salt Flats. Mm-hmm. And we hung out there. That wasn't the best spot. but It wasn't the greatest spot. There's more spots the further in you go. Mm-hmm. But that was, like, the easiest, most open and flat spot that was, you know, readily available. So we just did it. And we were only staying there for, like, a day or two. Mm-hmm. And it was super hot. Like, I couldn't wait to leave because it was so hot. And then the states also have free land that you can stay on. We used to do this in Michigan when we had a house before the RV. We would tent camp a lot in mm-hmm. state land free. Yeah, state, state forest. Mm-hmm. And so you can also do this with an RV. There's less spots that you can go to yeah. <laughs> when well, you have a big old RV. When you have a, yeah, big rig. <laughs> Uh, but they, they have different rules, so make sure you're paying attention to those. Yeah, a lot of um, times we'd have to get a free permit. Mm-hmm. And you have to, like, fill out all the info, and then you tie it to your tree. Yep. Um, some of the cool spots we've stayed with our RV, though, there was a couple spots in Florida. We stayed at the one that was, like, by that river. Yep, Blackwater River. That was a really cool spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that picture that we took there, that yeah. drone shot. Yeah, it was, like, all, all foggy, and you could see the river. Mm-hmm. And then we also stayed in the Everglades or near the Everglades, right? And it was on the way. It wasn't quite to the Everglades. That was a Florida state game area. I don't know. It was a couple, maybe an hour or two from Sarasota. Because we stayed in Sarasota at a Boondockers Welcome first. Then we went there. I think we spent three days there. We drove around the whole state game area and there was... uh, Baby gators that I had nightmares about. Alligators everywhere. It was so (laughs) cool. The kids got attacked by fire ants. It was awesome. (laughs) In Idaho, we did a couple different spots. There was one, it was near Lava Hot Springs. It's called the Lower Portneuf River. Mm-hmm. Um, was that the one that had, like, individual spots with yep, the rope the, around it? It was, like, mm-hmm. recently redone. Um, and, yeah, there were designated spots. They didn't have a fire ring, but we had our own fire pit, so we had a little fire there. It was right on the river, which was beautiful. And then there was another spot in McCall. We stayed right next to Payette Lake. But the um, Payette Lake spot, that was Idaho state land. There was trails all around there. There was a cool lake spot that we went and we all went swimming. The girls did a pony ride. There was oh. some stables right up the road. Swimming though. Yeah, we went around to the other oh, side of the lake and we went swimming. But it wasn't right by the spot. Oh, we had to drive to it. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what threw me off as you said they were swimming. I'm like, wait, where? Yeah. No, that area has, yeah. there's a um, a good bit of boondocking there. Mm-hmm. That is a good spot actually yep. that we stayed at. Yep. It wasn't too busy. Especially if, I think it was like July, we were there. Yeah, there was horses right down the road. They went on a horseback ride. Yep. And then we did have to drive to the, the swimming spot that you were that talking like about. 15 but minutes. Yeah, it's not far away, but it was cool. But the lake is beautiful. It's like mm-hmm. crystal clear. You know, it's a mountain, it's surrounded by mountains. It's like a little baby Lake Tahoe, kind of to me. And how do you find these spots? Lately, I've been using Campendium the most. The previous year, I think maybe 2020, 2021, I was using iOverlander. Yeah, well, I think primarily. it was our sixth podcast that we did. We yep. did a boondocking podcast where we just talked about, like, places that we've boondocked at the time. Did we even have solar yet? Nope. Okay. Well, I think we may have just had solar. We had maybe had solar it for It was a few in months. July of yeah. 2021. I put so. it in April. So we did just get barely getting a taste of it. But, yeah, at the time when we did that 
other boondocking podcast, I was using iOverlander. We didn't really use Campendia much, but then we actually got a subscription or membership. You get more features. So you use that because I was going to shut that off. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But that's been helpful. Like there's a lot more. I've noticed lately, especially a lot more spots on there. And they're a little bit more up to date with like reviews. I like to read reviews of you know people mm-hmm. have stayed there because some of them it'll say, you know, if they have like a little section is it big rig friendly and sometimes there's a question mark. And then if you just look down in the comments or the questions or reviews or whatever, people will say, you know, I was there in my forty foot class A and had no problems. So yeah, that's you what, know what we're I good. Yeah. yeah, you can also find spots on the government website for that area too. Yeah. So for BLM, you can go to blm.gov. National Forest Service. Yeah, um, it's much harder to find them on there, and you're you may not get like information for your specific rig, like you yeah. just mentioned. But what it is good for is you can find the spots on Campendium, and then uh, go and check. And make sure it's an mm-hmm. actual spot. And a lot of times the they'll have maps, you mm-hmm. know, of the area. I overlander. Do you use that still? I do once in a while. Like sometimes I'll compare what the notes say between the two. You know, mm-hmm. it's rare that I find um, something on I overlander that's not, that's on, not Campendium. on Campendium. Yeah, Campendium has a lot more. It seems like, and especially I overlander. Uh, recently, it seems like there's been, I'd say, more um, van life and that kind of stuff that has put spots in there mm-hmm. you know it'd be like a pull off on the side of the road good for a van yeah or taking it, it over you know, the app parking yeah <laughs> a parking lot uh spot or something like that all right so if you want to boondock what are some things we need to keep in mind uh the first one i would recommend is to make sure you know the rules and if there's any permits required for the area that you're in so we have a podcast that is all about etiquette for boondocking and campgrounds. I think it's all in one p- podcast, but um, we specifically go over boondocking. Yeah, that was episode 42. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll talk about some of those things here, but for complete details on that, go to that podcast. One of the first things you want to do is make sure it's not private land. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes you get a little mix of private land in the public area. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we see that a lot out east for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's as bad out on the west side here. Yeah. Um, but on the east side, you'll be driving along and you'll like be in a national forest or state forest or whatever. Yep. And then all of a sudden you're in private and you don't even realize it. So just make sure you're still in the free area. Yep. One way to do that, like um, I've used Onyx maps for that before because there's layers where you can see public land, federal land, private property. It'll show you all that stuff. Uh, which comes in handy, and also Gaia. There's there's layers for mm-hmm. Gaia that strictly for BLM or National Forest or both or whatever. Yep, and and normally, I mean, private does a pretty good job of labeling it. So, but not always. Not always. So you do need to be careful. Uh, but normally, if you're if you're going into a state land area, like if it's marked state land, um, like there's a sign you drive in or a national forest or something, and you drive into it. And then you're driving along, you'll see the private is normally signed off. Yep. And then, like, they have signs on every tree, and then it goes back to the other. And then you may see, like, a designated campsite or something like that. And then you kind of have a better idea that it's public. Yep. Another big thing to keep in mind, um, beware of your your stay limits mm-hmm. at these places. I think every place we've ever gone has had time limits, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and typically they're posted. We've been to a couple places where we knew there was a time limit. Um, but the, somebody had removed the sign 
for example, right outside of Zion, mm-hmm. that was BLM, and there was a post for the sign, but there was no sign. So, but yeah, and, and just because it's National Forest or BLM doesn't mean it's 14 days. For example, the the spot right in the Tetons, that's a strictly enforced five day stay mm-hmm. limit. That's one of the places that has camp hosts. Yeah, so they go around and yeah, they'll document your vehicle or license plate or however they do it, but they'll come around and check daily. Another thing to make sure that you're doing right is getting any permits you need. So, for example, there's a spot here near us now. Um, you need a permit to camp in that area. Yeah, and it's a free permit. You just have to, you have to go online, uh, fill out your information. This one actually requires you to watch a little safety video because there could be um, unexploded munitions in the desert area where you could be. So you have to be aware of that. But it's super easy. Just go down, and I think it's good for a year. They just want to make sure that they know who's in there using yeah. it. And yeah, yeah. They require you to, when you go into the area, you have to check in online. Is there other places we've had to have a permit? I feel like there was one more spot, but I don't remember where it was. Another reason why they'd require permits, though, is just to make sure that, I mean, it's kind of like that anonymous thing. If you think you're anonymous, you're, you do things that you would normally not do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like on social media, you may say something that you, <laughs> you shouldn't say. <laughs> um, if you're anonymous, then you may leave trash. But if you have to have a permit, then um, yeah. they know who's out there. You're a little bit more careful. Yep. Oh, yeah. In, um, in Florida, the state game area. Oh, yeah. They required. A, you, yep. it, they required reservations, but it was free. Mm-hmm. So you have to, yeah, you have to pick a site and uh, make sure you get the right site. Number. Yeah, make sure you pick the right site and camp at the right site. There's no. Or you'll get in issues. a big argument with somebody <laughs> over a free site. <laughs> That's always fun. And it's completely wide open. Yeah. <laughs> Go back and listen to that episode. Another thing, you know, depending on what you're RVing in. The size of your rig um, to make sure you don't get stuck or cornered. Mm -hmm. Like you don't drive in somewhere that you can't turn around and drive out of. There's been a few times that I was a little nervous. Yeah, same here. (laughs) Um, Also know your limits. You know, some of these roads can get really rough or rutted or washed out or something like that. If you have a longer RV or longer tail on the RV, if you're going up, you know, up and over or down into these dips and stuff, uh, that's a good way to get your RV stuck because we've the, seen that. Yeah, yep. that Grand Canyon area. Yeah, yeah. yeah they someone. pulled in across like a it was like a small ditch, but it was still the driveway to a camping spot. But the tail of their RV was longer than it would allow for the tires to stay on the ground. So basically, they ran the back of the RV onto the ground, and the tires were just hanging there, spinning. <laughs> In the little ditch area. Yeah, Yeah. that was bad. The other thing, too, about that is it's totally okay to, like, pull over to the side of the road and, you know, either walk ahead or take your tow vehicle ahead or something. Yeah, we've used the Jeep to scout ahead. We know people who um, take their Mm e-bikes, you know, because it's easier to unhook everything. Or if you have a, you know, if you have a camper or fifth wheel, you don't want to just unhook that and go drive your main primary vehicle. So that's where it comes in handy and have like a you know a bicycle, e-bike, something like that. Another thing to keep in mind is be a good neighbor. Do not park next to your neighbor and <laughs> run your generator all day. Uh, and if there's multiple spots, you know, park away. And we talk yeah. about this more in the etiquette one, but. And yeah, here's the thing, like when we're boondocking, I expect pretty much everybody to have a generator and to use it. 
no problem. I expect that. I'm not bothered by generators for the most part. We also do that. If we get somewhere and there's already people there, unless it's the only spot left, I don't pull in next to somebody because I know I'm going to be running my generator and I sometimes feel bad if I'm... Mm -hmm. Wake up early in the morning and I my batteries are lower than I need them or want them to be. So I'm going to fire up my generator and run it. You know what I mean? So, Yeah. Most of the time our solar takes care of everything. But yeah. sometimes we'll be out and about and we get back and we realize the solar did not. Or it's a cloudy <laughs> day or rainy day. You get, you know, yeah. way less uh, solar input. So, But we'll get home late in yeah. the evening and then we have to turn the generator on. I always feel bad about that. And there's solutions to that too. Like we have an onboard generator, which typically, which are typically quieter than a normal generator. You know, a lot of people have the like little Hondas, the mm -hmm. 2000 watt generator. Those are pretty quiet. I think our generator is actually really quiet. It's pretty quiet. Yeah. But I mean, then maybe you have the people that have like the open frame construction generators. Those are not designed to be quiet at all. So they just sound like a, you know, unmuffled lawnmower. Yeah. Like that one person that had one at Glacier. Yeah, they just ran it and ran it and ran yeah, it. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, it was loud. Yeah, I think ours is pretty quiet. Sometimes I don't even know it's running inside. And maybe you can hear it more when you're outside. But And it's still not that loud. It's just yeah. sometimes, you know, if you're close enough to somebody, our generator side, which is the driver's side of the RV, could be at the, you know, the door side of the RV next to us. Yeah, there's been a couple times that I'm like, go knock on their door and tell them we're only going to be doing it for a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like super bad. You don't ever do that. But uh, but we normally only run it for an hour or so anyways. Yeah, we've never ran it 24-7 or anything like that like some people yeah. do. Another thing to keep in mind is the obvious, which I am not even going to get into detail about. You just know it, and that's leave no trace rules. Make sure you follow those yeah. people. <laughs> Pack it in and pack it out. I mean, I, Lexi and Kylie has had to clean up. They didn't have to. They want to, but um, they've cleaned up many campsites. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's an annoying thing. I've cleaned up a couple campsites. Yeah, that there's a few that I'm like, I'm not even getting out of this RV until you clean it up. It's so yeah, gross. There's, yeah. There's so. some real the other thing you should keep in mind is emergencies. So you are, the thing about boondocking is true boondocking you're kind of away from everything that yeah, i mean that's typically. the thing that's good about it right is that you're away from people you're in the boonies <laughs> yeah so you hey, may is that not why have it's named that boonies boondocking out uh, in the boondocks <laughs> you should definitely keep an eye on um the weather conditions because you know deserts for example well when you're out in the desert if you get you can get a little amount of rain and it can turn into flash floods and that kind of stuff or you can get stuck. Like some of this stuff hasn't seen rain in six months and it doesn't absorb. So it turns into the super slick mud. Yeah. I think there's been a couple places we've gone to that it's actually, oh, Tetons. Yeah. The Teton oh, yeah. area. Yeah. That place we were a little nervous getting out of. Yeah. Because it, it rained for like, what, a whole day, maybe two days straight. Yes. And the whole drive in or out was mm -hmm. mud. Yeah. So we had to, yeah. Luckily the day we left, it was nice and dry, but... Yeah, so there's definitely, I mean, you should keep an eye on that. Make sure that, you know, you're not getting yourself stuck. And if you're too far out, a lot of times you'll have limited cell service. Mm -hmm, so you can't get help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's harder to call for help. So keep those things in mind. Also keep like, uh, you know, a med kit or something on hand uh, for snake bites. Or yeah, first, is, that, can, first is there aid. a snake bite med kit? Yeah. <laughs> there is? 
Yeah. What do you do for a snake bite? I don't remember. <laughs> we'll figure that out. <laughs> We're in Arizona. <laughs> well, anytime, anything, bug bites, snake bites, you know, scorpions, whatever. Yeah, because 911. Bee stings. I mean, if you're allergic, be. that's a very serious thing. Yeah. 911 might not be able to get to you at all. Um, and if they can, it might take them a while. So, yeah. um, you know, make sure you can do some basic things. So when you're boondocking, there's things that you have to keep in mind to help extend your stay. Water. Yep. <laughs> Having onboard water, being able to get wa- more water, mm-hmm. and, you know, being mindful, conserving what you have so that you don't run out too quick. I normally am just normal when I <laughs> boondock and I use water the same way and Tony has to yell at me. Yeah. I may take less showers, but I tr- I'm constantly washing my hands and doing I have things. like a three-second rule for the water pump. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I hear the kid going to the bathroom or something, and I give him a countdown. Like I hear the water turn on, the water pump comes on. In my head, I'm going 1,001, <laughs> 1,002, 1,003. Shut the water off. What's so funny is I will be washing my hands and the water pump will go off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I, if I hear it running too long, I'll just switch it off. <laughs> I'm like, I literally have soap on my hands still. Like, can I shut the water off? I am an adult. <laughs> well, sometimes we forget that we're boondocking. I mean, I had soap on my hands still. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> no. Anyways, you're right. I, I am very bad. Uh, but you can get like a water bladder with a pump. We have one. We yeah, haven't we have, tested it yet. What do we have? A 30-gallon? Like a 30-gallon water bladder. We've got an electric water pump. It's actually our, an old water pump that we have. I replaced it and just kept the old one. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is waste. That's a big one. Like before for us, it was the water. We'd run out of water before we'd fill up our tanks. And that was partially, partially due to our reverse osmosis system. But now, I mean, we can typically go about six days boondocking before our tanks are full. Either our black, our black smaller than our gray, but. And there's different apps that you can use to find a dump station to dump. Um, and so you can either, you know, take a wagon there, which we now have. Yep. Um, or you can just take your RV in and yep. dump. And I typically use iOverlander, Campendium. There's one called rvdumpsites.net. I have used it before to find some, and then I look on the other apps to see if they're included on there. Because the rvdumpsites.net, I feel like, is uh, way out of date. So keep that in mind when you're looking. And the final thing is electricity. Yep. So there's three ways, solar, propane, and generator. We've talked about the generator a little bit earlier, but some things to keep in mind, especially if you have an on-site one or an on-board one, is you need... Like what, half a tank of gas or something? We we're our system won't run on less than a quarter of a tank of gas. So make so, sure you fill up your tank before you get here. Yeah, when we're boondocking, I I like it's a requirement of mine to have at least a half a tank because it doesn't use much gas because we only use it maybe an hour or two a day if we have to. So it doesn't use that much, maybe a gallon of fuel. So. And then the other thing is propane. Uh, you, yep. The worst thing is to get somewhere and <laughs> realize yep. you didn't fill up your propane or you don't have any propane. Yeah, because it's handy. Water heaters work great on electric, but they're also power hogs. So if you have their propane capability of that, um, you can just leave that on or switch it on first thing in the morning so it doesn't run all night mm-hmm. when you don't really need it. Yeah, we have... I mean, some people just turn it on 
if they're going to take a shower or whatever, they just turn it or dishes, turn it on a half hour beforehand and then do it and then turn it back off. That would be you. Yeah. If it wasn't, <laughs> if I'm not like Tony, I don't I mind. Like, no, I don't I mind like leaving. I like to wash the, my hands in hot water. Leave the propane heater on. <laughs> I don't mind leaving the the propane on during the day. I just don't like leaving it on overnight. And then the best one is solar. Yeah. And we love our solar. Yeah, it was a huge, huge addition to our setup for boondocking. The, really, the most important part of your solar system is going to be your battery bank. You can have a million watts of solar, but if you have a crappy battery bank, it doesn't do you any good. So the best thing to have... Is a whole bunch of garage garages full of batteries. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> lithium is your best option, more most efficient option for bat, you know power storage. Because essentially, that's what it does. Your solar charges your batteries, and then... The, all the electronics you use inside run off of the batteries. Yep. Run off an inverter. So what do we have? They so we, run off the inverter, right? Yep. Okay. <laughs> so we have about 600 amp hours of lithium batteries. That goes through a Victron 3000 inverter, uh, which actually goes into an AM Solar Smart Phase Selector, which I don't even know if they make anymore. Maybe they, maybe they have a new version. What that does is it enables us to power the whole RV and still use, like, if we're plugged in, we can still use power assist and all that stuff through our inverter. But it, 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 it enables us to switch from 30 amp, 50 amp, all that stuff uh, seamlessly. We don't have to worry about it changing anything. And it was very important for me when we set this up that it I didn't care if we were hooked up to electricity, not hooked up to electricity, driving, not driving, in the middle of nowhere. I wanted yeah. to be able to use every plug, everything in my house yeah, because whenever I wanted when we bought we bought our RV new, it did come with a small battery bank and inverter, but it was just, you know, the factory batteries, which aren't very good, and it was a small inverter. And the way that it's hooked up from the factory is it only powers the fridge and... Like one plug. One plug. Yeah. So we, we did a week-long road trip, and halfway through, we realized that we had the inverter <laughs> set up because we were such newbies. We would run the generator... The whole time we weren't plugged in because our fridge was <laughs> would ever would get warm. I think the first day we got on the road, we got somewhere and I'm like, everything in the fridge is hot. <laughs> like we had to throw it all away. <laughs> it's important if you're going to set it up like that to power the whole RV. Mm-hmm. And to do that, it's important to have a good battery bank. Or, I mean, you need the AM selector or two inverters. There's other ways right? to yeah, do it. That's just ways. the, for me, it was the simplest way to do it. You're just going to want to contact Sean at Here Then Gone and have him do it for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's doing solar installs in New Mexico all winter. Um, they have a business called Nomad Mods. Yeah. And they do amazing work. Yes, they Check do. Check them out Highly on, on socials. Tony did all of our solar, but he definitely called him a couple times <laughs> and asked a few questions. Yeah. So. And, you know, um, when it comes to – I did all this stuff myself, but it took – months of research to do mm-hmm. it all you know i did it in steps i did the batteries and inverter at one point and then probably a year later then i did the solar but it was like you know i'd read all kinds of these i got into all these solar groups and forums and stuff and i just picked their brains and how much you you said all the batteries we had and you said that inverter oh. and the charger and and we have 1200 watts of solar can more fit up there yeah. Are you going to get more? What are you doing next? More solar? More batteries? More inverter? Um, what do you want? I mean, I think I think we have enough batteries 
for now. It's cheaper to do the solar than it is batteries. Um, I can add to the solar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everything we have is perfect. Uh, sometimes we have to turn our generator on, like like we said earlier, for an hour and a half to two hours at the most. Yeah. Um, and that's if we get we got no sun. Yeah, really. and yeah, we've ran the batteries down. But for the most part, we get we get good solar, even when we're not expecting it. Yeah. You tell me. We get more than we're supposed to get, right? Yeah, yeah. Normally? Especially when we're at high elevation and it's cool out. We have 1,200 watts of solar. I've gotten closer to 1,300 watts. And I think on the last Boondocking podcast, we talked about how you're kind of annoying and you'll stare at your phone and, like, the apps. You still do that. I'm not as bad. You still do that, so you're not. It's interesting. Uh, it is interesting. It is cool. All right, so that is pretty much everything you got to keep in mind. Now, I wanted to talk about a few alternatives to boondocking. So we mentioned earlier there are a few things, a few ways that you can dry camp that are people kind of consider boondocking. And I wanted to, like, just explain these just so that newbies or whatever, if you're new to this, if you are not even getting into this, but you're listening to this podcast, um, like my mom, uh, (laughs) you understand all the different terminology. So, like we said before, boondocking normally is free, no hookups, and it's dispersed camping on public land. Yep. There is also dry camping, which is no hookups, at a developed campground. So, we did this, for example, in northeastern, <laughs> I have to, like, do my never eat sour wheat, yeah. northeastern uh, Yellowstone, right? Yeah. We paid to stay at a campground, but there was no hookups. Yep. It was, uh, like, Cook City, Montana. Mm-hmm. It was a state park or something. It was, um, I think it was a national forest campground. It was a Coulter campground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, there was, I don't know, maybe 50 sites or something, but none of them had hookups. Yeah, it was like there five was bucks a camp or something. There. Yeah, yeah. You, with America, the beautiful pass, we paid, you know, half price. So it was super cheap. They had a bear box. They had a picnic table. They had a designated site. And I want to say it was like maybe seven bucks a night or something. So it was, you know. So this isn't cheap. really boondocking. You're not out. I mean, it is just, it is out in the middle of nowhere. So I mean, we didn't have any service or anything like that. But it's not as, I don't know the word that I'm looking for, but not as like free. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're in a campground. There's a host there. Um, if we had an emergency, we could get him to help us. He yep. had service, you know. So there were, um, it's different than boondocking, but it is still dry camping. Yeah. Another option is parking lot camping. So this is your Walmart, your Cracker Barrel. Cracker barrel. Um, it's not technically boondocking, but it's dry camping and it's free. Yep. <laughs> Um, mooch docking. Mooch docking is another one. This is when you stay with parents or friends or family or whatever. Um, the, the difference here is a lot of times you, well, one, it's on private land. Two, you sometimes get hookups. Maybe you get like a water or electric or something like that. It depends on how you're set up. Plug into like a 15 amp outlet or something. So you have some power, Mm -hmm. which we've done. So this is different than boondocking. It's not on public. It's not just, you know, free land. You're not, I mean, it is free normally unless your family is charging you, but, (laughs) um, but that's mooch docking. And then finally, the other option is disperse camping on private land. And our best example of this would be Allen's bar in Washington. Yeah. We paid five bucks a night to stay there and it was disperse. You just camp wherever you want. 
Uh, you pay to stay there. He has rules. It's his land. So he could literally say, get off my land. Yeah. Uh, and those are the alternatives. Any others that I can think of or that you can think of? No. Okay, cool. Let's say why we love it. <laughs> First of all, we love free. I love free. We do. We both do. <laughs> Sometimes I love being hooked up. Yeah. But for the most part, like when we're, especially when we're up in the out west, you know, boondocking out west is Easy. usually something special. Mm-hmm. So we have, let's just say some of our stats, because I think we've had some pretty cool stats. In 2019, we actually didn't boondock at all. We stayed at two parking lots on the way down to Texas. Yep. From Michigan to Texas, we had two overnights. Yep. Two different parking lots, but we didn't have any boondocking. So you'd kind of consider that to be two free nights in 2019. In 2020, we had 20 nights of boondocking. One mooch docking. And then we stayed at nine parking lots. In 2021, we had 109 days of boondocking. This was our big one. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. And we had 13 days of mooch docking and 10 days in parking lots. This allowed us to stay at every single entrance to Yellowstone National Park, and it was amazing. Yeah, we stayed at Glacier for a long time. We stayed right down the road from a $100 a night campground. Yeah. And we had a better spot, I think, because we saw moose. Yep. <laughs> Walk through our area. Um, in 2022, we did not boondock as much. We only boondocked about 35 days so far. As, as We actually will be boondocking more. Yeah, but we still have a month of, left. Yeah, as of this podcast, it's it was only 35 days of boondocking and 11 days of parking lots. But... We actually had 296 free days, and that's because we stayed a lot of Thousand Trails. Yeah. We also stayed at the Beet Harvest where they paid for it. Yeah. So there was a lot of free. I mean, we've barely paid at all for camping this year. Yeah, we never went over our $35 limit either. Yeah, we have a, a hard line, $35. <laughs> if you can't get me under it, better be amazing. Or there's a Walmart nearby because <laughs> we're not staying there. <laughs> We've paid over a couple times. Not very often. The second reason why we love boondocking so much is... It's usually amazing places. Yes. It's more wild, more secluded, more beautiful yeah. than campgrounds. You don't have neighbors normally right next to you. You don't have barking dogs normally right next to you or someone's sewer sitting in your patio. Some of the spots right outside the national parks are almost like you're in the national park. Like, yeah. for example, in Zion, you are you have a can- that canyon right behind you and all that stuff. And all around is mountains. Yeah, it looks like you're in the park. I mean, I don't know. Like, you're... Even in, the, like, Moab area, like, by Arches. Yeah. There's so much free camping in that area. And a lot of it, you know, it's all the red rocks. And it's, it. I mean, you're in, like, an, you're a totally different world when you're there. Mm-hmm. And when you're in the campground, a lot of it's paved or they have yeah. roads and you have your neighbor right next to you and it's just different. And then you end up paying. And when you're by those national parks, you That's pay what, more. Like I was going to say that is typically in those areas, the campgrounds are more expensive. Gas is more expensive. Like pretty much everything is higher priced. Like I remember being in Grand Canyon and we end up we paid like six bucks for a gallon of milk, and the gas was like four bucks a gallon because we were in, in Tucson. Mm-hmm. Four dollars sounds good. 
Yeah, well, that was when it was still, you know, <laughs> yeah. 275 or something. Yeah, but I mean, when we, like, the best example is the Yellowstone one. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had an amazing spot. It was perfect. I would go there any day. Um, and, two spots. Two, yeah. two really good spots. And right down the road, it's literally $100 yeah. a camp, a night. And the other reason why we know that is because we called there, I think, to find out if we could dump there. Yep. I was looking for a dump station that was within, you know, 15, 20 minutes of where we were staying. Because I wanted to kind of go back to the same area to continue boondocking. And they wanted some outrageous like amount. Like $25 yeah, or something. To, just to dump our tanks. So I, I found a place that was about a half hour south. Um, that was a donation. It was like a state-run mm-hmm. dump station. So I went there, donated. And so he, it was like, well, if you dump for 25 how much is it to stay there? Yeah. They're like, $100 a night. Wait, what? So those are our two big reasons why we love it. It's free, and they're amazing. Yep. And it's quite, like, it. Oh, yeah. Some of the yeah. best stargazing yes. ever. The other thing, too, though, is that it, there's, like, not, there are rules, but they're, Common sense rules, I yep. guess. They're not the rules that you get, like, in the RV park. Sometimes, I mean, they tell you you can't fly certain flags. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or whatever. Uh, so, I mean, they have a lot more rules in the parks that are kind of silly. And when you're boondocking, those rules don't apply. Yeah. You don't have – I've never seen a rule where you're, you can't have a barking dog, even though you shouldn't. I mean, that's not nice. <laughs> but if, especially if you're out there by yourself, the – there's no reason why your dog can't be barking at your kids or whatever, playing. Well, the, yeah, there's typically no quiet time. So if you're yeah, with that's, a group, I guess what I'm getting at. you know, you can you can party or whatever. You can be loud and listen to music and stuff. If you're at a campground, if you have your little Bluetooth speaker outside, <laughs> if it's a, you know, if your volume's above four, everybody that walks by or your neighbors are all, you know, eyeballing you. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, when I listen to music, so do the neighbors. And we love boondocking so much, we even added some merch in our store for it. <laughs> we have um, a couple mugs, a couple different mug designs, and also sweatshirt design that says, I'd rather be boondocking. So if that is you, go Another check it out. Another designs that we created ourselves. Yep. And what do we love right now, Tony? Who doesn't love new gear or fun gadgets? Let us share with you what's new to us. And loved. In the RV, our Jeep, and our new tech. We're all in love with the lift that we had put on the Jeep. It's been amazing so far. We've only taken it out a couple times since we've had it lifted. Um, And uh, I will say... It's a totally new experience. So this was beet money. Yeah, this is my beet harvest money. <laughs> Took it to Summit 4x4, Prescott, Arizona. They installed the lift. We got some new other new parts put on. Yeah, I have to say I'm thoroughly impressed. We had a AEV 2.5-inch lift, which actually for some reason we got a little extra boost out of that. It was more like 4 inches. <laughs> but... Uh, it still works good with our tire size and everything. It doesn't look, you know, really um, mismatched or, you know. No, it doesn't look bad at all. No. Yeah, combined with our winch, our lift, it looks like a real Jeep now. Yeah, and it's fun. And it, I, okay, so I get a little nervous before before the lift. I get nervous when the Jeep would 
turn like off camber yeah like go sideways a little too much it made me nervous mostly because this is our only jeep like if this is our play jeep you know those things i don't think that would scare me as much because if it flipped over or fell over or something it would get hurt but we wouldn't not in that short you know well yeah area. we 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 do a lot of cool trails and stuff, but we we have to limit ourselves yeah. to not go beyond like the capabilities of our, our skill level or the Jeep because if it breaks like something catastrophic, then we're gonna be out of commission for a while. Yeah, we have it's to our get it only fixed. Vehicle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it is our only vehicle, which makes it harder. And a lot of the times it's fine and there's no chance of the Jeep getting hurt. And I still am worried because <laughs> I don't know if you know me yet, but <laughs> I kind of uh, think of the worst things that could possibly happen. Like the Jeep will probably never flip over like that. But <laughs> You're like a final destination mindset. Yes. Uh, but with this lift, it actually makes it feel much better. Yeah, oh like yeah. I did not feel like we went up and we did a few things that I would normally be worried about. And I actually even was like getting ready for it. I was like bracing myself and then it just crawled right with up. With ease. It. Yeah. Even Lexi, we did this. It was like a hill climb with super deep ruts that were kind of like alternated right and left. So you kind of had to like, I don't know, maybe like, what do you call it? A crab walk, you know, kind of. And uh, we just like zipped right up it, no mm -hmm. problem. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, didn't feel unstable or anything. And Lexi, we got to the top and Lexi was like, that was easy. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're raising the kids to end up costing us a lot of money. Yeah, hope so. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a, that's our gear. Yeah, sure. It could have been We're a digging. It. We could have done a digging for that too. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, I'm super impressed with it. it makes me want to like go on a jeep trail. Go, yeah, for sure. We're going on one. Yeah, we're gonna do a good jeep overland tomorrow. Yeah, should be fun. So I think that's a wrap. Yep, we'll link that. that we'll link those somewhere. parts in there. Yeah, <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> Well, I think that's going to do it for this podcast. Make sure you're following us at The Faolas on Facebook and Instagram. If you enjoyed this one, maybe go back and listen to that uh, episode six. And we go into more detail on some of the other spots that we've stayed. Is it episode six? Yeah. Or were you just going by what I said? No, I, it is. Oh, it is. I told you the other <laughs> okay, day. Okay. I, thought, I had that in my mind that it was six, but I wasn't sure if that was right. No, it is. <laughs> Yeah, we have a lot of spots mentioned in there, too. And then also, if you go to our stats page, you know, we mark every place we stay. Yep. I'm pretty sure in the show notes of that episode and probably this one, we'll have, um, like, Google Maps tags or, you know, location tags of all the places that we've stayed. Yep. Sounds good. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but we didn't have kids on this one. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure you noticed. <laughs> they are actually visiting their grandma. She's here uh, visiting us. Yep, got an Airbnb, so yeah. they've been hanging out, making Christmas cookies, which I'm excited for. I know, and now we're going to go Christmas shopping. Yep. And so I'm gonna, we're going to take the dogs over there and grab some cookies, because <laughs> I want one. <laughs> so that's where they're at, but they'll be back next week. All right, see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. It's like soothing rain sounds. Yeah, it never rains in Yuma until we do a podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 5-5. Five five.
five five. Follow us. Are you gonna cut mine out? Yes. You yours? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's my favorite way of doing it. (laughs) So she said. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let's be serious. What is boondocking? No, just kidding. Let me start it over. This week we're gonna be talking about boondocking. (laughs) Are you just gonna cut me out? What is it? (laughs) Are you just gonna cut me out of everything? (laughs) Try. Okay. It is. It's like pouring rain yeah. in Yuma, Arizona, because we're doing a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> is this real life? <laughs> it's been a while since we've had a rainy podcast. <laughs> this is so fun. And then the state is state. We would camp tent. Camp tent? tent? No. Tent camp? Tent camp. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long, you don't even know what it is. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Whoa. I can't talk. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> you have to talk like that? We're a family thing. The kids listen to this. Anyways. Remove comment. <laughs> Make, beep it out. <laughs> They're not used to what? Webin. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you would tell if I was having a stroke. Because I sound like I'm having a stroke. You say it. I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs>